0: It is 11:30 p.m. I've just finished prepping for the Bavali Thanksgiving happening at TTK. Tomorrow we were rained out today. Thursday here in Austin. But we're not rained out. Knock on wood. and knock on my head right now. We're not rained out for tomorrow. And boy, am I tired. I should introduce the podcast. Welcome to Sick Palette Podcast. I'm your host, Vipa Shrida. Uh, Let's talk three things. Let's get into it. Let's just dive in. Uh, And I love, I feel like we're starting to really, really categorize each specific thing Like the first thing is always kind of like something I tried or something made or a place. Second one, I guess slightly ranty. Third, or like an article, depending on what side I I land on it. And then the third, queries, questions. Not really, maybe just in this episode. Thing one. So, I ended up in the hill country with my friend Alex, uh, I guess, Monday. Yeah, Monday. Because we were on the hunt for some marigolds for my dinner. And it was also just a great excuse to, like, do a little bit of hill country driving. And so, people who are not uh, from Texas or from this region... Austin, Austin is great for so many reasons, but also one of the things that Austin is so close to is Hill Country, aka Texas Wine Country. And that's neither here nor there right now. But it's really, really fun to sometimes go to a little bit of a smaller town, especially if you live in Austin. And after you drive about 35 to 45 minutes you are in a different place. You're in small town Texas, USA. And so we ended up in Blanco after we went to the flower farm I wanted to visit. Um and we got we got we got the tiniest amount of flowers from there just because they had uh gone through a freeze but wow just a gorgeous area uh Arnoski flowers or Arnos Arnoski family farms uh just a really beautiful place and you know they had tons and tons of marigolds i think they're like known as like one of the marigold capital places Here in Texas, maybe United States. I don't know. I don't know. But definitely a lot of sort of Texas-based flowers. Um, But we had gone after November 1st. So kind of like, you know, there wasn't a lot of marigolds. In fact, there wasn't any to purchase that day. Um, like I said, because they went through a freeze. However, we got to peruse, you know, got, got a little bit of an endorphin hit. I highly suggest going there. It was, it was just gorgeous to be in that kind of area, just surrounded by fields of orange. Gorgeous. Uh, so then we made our way into Blanco And we stopped by a cafe. The cafe was exactly what I want in a little small town cafe. Here's the thing. We got diners here in Texas. And you can totally get classic diner fare. One thing I love that we do in my state is we do kind of a diner style situation, but it's with Mexican food. Um, Cisco's here in town, perfect example of that, where you can get kind of like a breakfast plate. he will have like beans and, you know, tortillas, migas. Those all are kind of like usual suspects. But we found ourselves at Rio Blanco Cafe, which was Mexican Caribbean. And so good coffee, really good, really great vibe. Uh, owner super friendly food pretty bomb handmade tortillas um you know uh it looks like the corn is sourced well i mean they're they're really doing it right but breakfast plate had quesadillas with a little bit of chorizo in there beans really good and you know sunny side eggs and here was my favorite thing As soon as we sat down, me and Alex, a trio, a trio of their salsas came through. Very, very good. And I mean, I just, it was exactly what I wanted, exactly what I craved. But I highly suggest, get yourself to a Mexican-style diner in a small town in Texas. To me, that's like, Oh, man, that is that is 100 percent just sort of soul awakening, like shake cobwebs off kind of sort of place. God, after prepping so much food and realizing now that I'm hungry, I need to stop talking about this place because like there's no way I can get it right now. That's all I want. We have to move to thing two. And I'm saying that more to myself than to you. Okay, let's do it. And the reason why we talked about thing one right at the tippy top of this podcast is because I feel like the overall theme of this episode is tasting authenticity, right? Uh, I went on Monday to that little cafe, and it was there. There was no there was nothing there that it was like, oh wow, they're they're making something groundbreaking. Like you know, they're they're really sort of. You know, reinventing what it means to da 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 da, and listen, I'm one of those people that it's always trying to reinvent da 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 da. so no hate on that. What I'm trying to say is it was really interesting that I haven't stopped thinking about that plate today friday morning so so th- that's the thing also. <laughs> Podcasts, I feel like, are like audio time traveling. I recorded the first part last night. I was hoping I would do part two and part three. I just, I I was so tired. So uh, here we are at four in the morning, um, getting part two and three done. But yeah, I think that was something that I I wish I said at the top of this episode. It, It stuck with me. Every day I was like, man, Not only was that plate good, the salsas were so delicious. The owner was so proud of that plate. And I can't wait to go back to Blanco, Texas and have another iteration of that plate. And the reason, the reason why I'm thinking about that plate Friday morning, it was just like a small pit stop for me and Alex, right? It's because it came through. It was authentic to the person representing the owner talking about the food that's being made in the kitchen. You could tell the pride that was happening within that particular plate. There was there was a sense that the salsas. Those plates, the beans, God, those beans were so good, y'all. It comes from a place which is true. And, th- and that's the thing. If the food wasn't traditional, it doesn't matter. It's the authenticity that comes out. And I think I as I'm trying to parse basically who gets to do fusion, who doesn't. Here's the thing, anybody gets to do fusion. That's that's the short answer to it all. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is I need, I need the people who like to mishmash cultures to come from a place of honesty. And I think that's what's missing a lot of times is that I see a lot of restaurants out there deciding, oh, I'm gonna take, this from this culture and this from this culture and make a plate and play mad libs you know it's fine if you can tell me why from culture a and why from culture b i'm not saying you have to be where you're from although although if we're talking about a point of view and if we're talking about honesty there's there's something there There's an advantage there. There just is. But it doesn't mean it has to be that way. Does that make sense? But what it does mean is that it has to come from a place of earnestness, sincerity, and the ability to sort of know your spot in the cultures you're trying to represent, And I'm going to do another example here, because here's something that I always gravitate towards for many reasons, Um, anthropologically, because Icelandic restaurants, uh, Scandinavian Nordic restaurants, um, God, I'll always find whatever they're doing. I'll be like, wow, that's so South Indian of them. In in the most different way, and that's because um, little history lesson for y'all: uh, Norwegian countries and Indian regions, Indian origin regions. There's there's a connection in people and how we migrated, and so a lot of their way of thinking about food is a lot of our way of thinking about food. So the flavors, flavors are different. Though, what I find to be very funny is that in Nordic cooking, there's a lot of cardamom in their desserts. <laughs> and I, I just find that interesting, you know? And that's, and that's true to who they are. But it makes you think, okay, where are they getting that cardamom, Right? Um. Okay, so let's talk about Thing 2. Thing 2 is an article. Um, It's an article up from Food and & Wine, and it's just sort of reviewing a restaurant in Iceland called Moss Restaurant. And it talks about how this restaurant, yes, it's got a great Michelin-starred menu, but the reason why this restaurant is so, so stuck in this person's head that is reviewing. Once again, you can taste authenticity. You can taste it. And and very different from this whole like Rio Blanco cafe that I was talking about. But I think still the same. Different but same. Because at Moss, at this place in Iceland, that is, you know, it's one of those where like the dining room, it's like looking over black lava fields. Okay, it's going to be like you know prefix s- seven eight courser, and it's going to like blow your mind in every way. But the writer, the food writer of this article, is is really sort of highlighting the butter. And I, I when I read it, I not only was I like, oh God, I hope one day I get to try that, but also I can tell each step of it felt important to the chef and it felt um, culturally important to the chef. So it, it made sense. It, made, it came from a place of honesty, sincerity, and understanding that there is a point of view there. That's all I'm trying to say here. So the butter is made by Whipping skyr, skyr, spelled S-K-Y-R. It's basically Icelandic yogurt. See, another very South Indian thing. They're very high. I, they're, they're like a deeply yogurted culture, such as our people. Um, but deeply yogurted culture. I need, to, I need to learn how to talk at 4 a.m., Deeply yogurted culture. Holy shit. And I, I just don't have the wherewithal to, to re-record that. I mean, that's just going to be on the record. I said that. Disgusting. <laughs> Skier. It's like a really, really, really thick yogurt. It's an Icelandic yogurt, okay? But they whip it. So basically when you whip any kind of um, full-fat dairy... Um, it, it it essentially lets the quote-unquote fat rise, the butter essentially rise rise to the top or separates it. And then you're able to basically strain it. Um, and the top, what you have left is butter. And what you have is basically the water, the way out of it. So basically they're taking yogurt, they're whipping it into butter. And then they're finishing it by um, sprinkling a type of seaweed that they find in that region and sea salt. And and the salt and the seaweed are both processed here, either on... I don't know if it's on the premises. I think it might be either um, essentially it's like from that region, but basically... Every part of this butter is like tasting their whole region on a plate. I mean, I hope at this point you're like looking up the restaurant as I did. Because that that amount of, um, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. That's where that comes from. That sense of, I need you to understand what all of this is about. And I think that's why this writer was like, hey, the seven courses that you're going to have at this restaurant all are going to be spectacular. Let me talk to you in this article about the thing that comes with the bread basket. You know? There's something really, really um, evocative, Right? When you come from a place of authenticity, when you come from a place, it doesn't mean the food needs to be traditional. It doesn't even mean that the food needs to come from your specific culture. But if it doesn't, give me the reasons why this is important to you. And it can't just be, oh, I think I like this. And I like this. Without any, any further research. Because there is a difference, right, between cultural appreciation. Anyone can cook any kind of food. I'm just begging you to have a point of view for it. Cultural appropriation is this I will take from this style of cooking. This I will take from this style of cooking. It's right here. Here you go. I'm a genius. Did you see how I mad-libbed two cultures onto one plate? And it never tastes right it never really quite works in my opinion and sometimes it's not even like you can't even like figure out why but there's something there all right thing 3 thing 3 was something that i debated on whether or not i wanted to speak to it because i i simply i simply don't know enough about this restaurant i just want to say that as a huge caveat this is not me um, criticizing the restaurant on the whole. It's just me taking a look at a video that was sent to me by, at this point, five people and asking me what my thoughts are. Enough where I was like, okay, maybe maybe I do need to just see what's going on here. So uh, my sister actually sent this video to me first. Uh, it's from the, uh, social media account of, uh, Proxy Restaurant, which is a restaurant in Chicago. And, you know, I'm, like I said, this is I don't know enough about the restaurant. I don't know anything about the restaurant group. I, I I'm, I'm coming here letting you know there are a lot of things I don't know. So I'm taking the video at face value. The Instagram video at face value, okay. That's all we're doing. And um, I saw the video, and at first I was just like, "All right, whatever. It's um, it 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 happens, and it's it's a little bit of an eye roll, but you know, it's fine, it's okay." And also, like you know, let's let's just get into it. So basically, it's a video. I'll, I'll share it in the notes. Um, it's a video of uh, the chef, and and by the way, it looks like you know the chef knows what he's doing when it comes to getting flavor from a dish. So once again, it's not a knock on quality, not a knock on you know skill, nothing like that. But it is it is very very relevant, I think, in this whole idea of like cultural appreciation, authenticity tasting that, and where is cultural appropriation, right? So he's making a dish, which is upma, upma for most South Indians we know. And in fact, if you say upma to a lot of South Indians, the first thing they're going to say is, I'm good. At least I did, okay? There was like only one type of upma I liked growing up. Upma basically is a breakfast item for us, okay? And it is, um, it is, yeah, it's something your mom would make on Saturdays. And if you knew she was going to make upma on Saturdays, you were, most of the time you were like, okay, fine, let's deal with it. Upma is basically like a, a grain dish. It can be made from many different things. It can be made from semolina, uh, which we basically call rava upma. It can be made from, I mean, I've seen quinoa upma, which is not traditional. I mean, basically what it is, is it's a type of grain and it's mixed with vegetables. Some versions are really delicious. Um, I've had like a couple Telugu versions that I'm like, oh, Give me that upma any day, any day over that fucking rava upma, which is also really adds more pain to this video because uh, so this chef is is making, I guess, a version of upma. OK, and he is not of uh, any Indian or South Indian origin. All right. I'm going to say that as diplomatically as possible here. First thing he does is he's explaining that this is a dish that they make at the restaurant. It's, uh, it's got like mushrooms on top of it. And he's making upma, which he explains to the audience is a South Indian uh, semolina porridge. Number one, first thing you got to know about upma is that it is not indeed a porridge at all. If you want porridge vibes and you want to go South Indian, you go bungle all day every day. Like on my menu that I'm I'm doing tonight, third course includes bungle mash because it's going to give you that polenta vibes, all right? If you want creamy sort of you know something that really is going to be like a nice warm bowl of something perfect for fall. That's bongle. It is not by any means upma upma is when you want to punish your kids. That's straight up. Number one. Number two. Um, you know, I I do appreciate he goes into what curry leaves are, you know, you, you can tell he's like trying to understand the flavors. I think the issue here is it. it's fine if you're making semolina porridge. You want to call it opma. I don't really care. It's not that deep, to be honest. It's fine. It's not going to be something that I'm going to be like, oh, that's a memorable plate. Fine. Semolina porridge, a.k.a. not opma. Sorry. <laughs> he then adds mushroom dashi to his semolina porridge which is another culture that I'm pretty sure I can't say for sure but I'm pretty sure just 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 taking a taking a visual on all of this he's not from. And that's where you start to really lose me. Right? Because what I realize this dish is is it's playing Mad Libs again. You're saying I'm going to add things from different places. He adds coconut milk to his semolina porridge, aka fake upma, which which also isn't something. That's quite there and I I get it. You know, we're we're really getting into the ingredients. It's just sort of if you're trying to say, "Hey, I'm going to make something that's kind of an homage to this South Indian dish that I had. I really love it. Fine. Actually, I'm like, okay, cool. You got Oma on your menu. It just, when you add the dashi, it just starts to feel like you're just sort of using Asia as as sort of uh your own personal pantry. You know what I'm saying? Like, why the dashi in your polenta? let's be very frank okay it's it's a little bit South Indian spice polenta it it's it's all fine it, there there's no crime being committed this is not there's not like a you know i I see a lot of uh, I looked at the comments, and it's a ton of South Indians really, either fighting with other South Indians, which is what we do best. Um, one South Indian gives one comment on one video and, and don't worry, you don't need to take up for yourself. Typically there's, there will be another one in there letting you know why you're wrong. <laughs> I love us, <laughs> but, um, you'll see it and you'll see that it's a, it's a pretty polarizing dish and maybe that's why they want to keep it on the menu, right? That's the other thing. These days, it feels like the real food sort of landscape can be between hype versus authenticity. Once again, I know I've been saying this all throughout this podcast because I really want this drilled in. I'm not talking about this guy needing to be Indian to make this. Although he would have had a better understanding if he grew up with Upmaa, And understood how much he hates it. And then is like, and I want to make a version that I don't hate. Honestly, his semolina uh, polenta, it looked really good. I don't know if I would call it upma. But I was like, hey, I I want to bite of that. It's, It's hodgepodge. I don't know if it would be memorable. I'd be like, oh, that's good. And I'd move on with my day. It wouldn't be Rio Blanco cafe in my head. I wouldn't be thinking about it the next week. Like, God, my God, I could go for that right now. That's the difference. But if you want something to be viral, if you want it to have engagement, that I'm sure is fine. And I don't know if that's the motivation behind it. Maybe it is, you know, I I really like this dish and this is my interpretation of it. But I'm I'm asking you, to ask further questions is all, is all, that's my ask, okay? If you wanna make this dish, I think it would be, it would behoove everyone. This is including myself, which I try to do a lot of times. First thing I try to explain to myself, ask myself why. And if I start adding other cultures, I do it all the time, and we make South Indian Texan here. I got to figure out why. What is the connection? Where do I see it? And can I build a whole menu off of that? You don't have to do it the way I do it. That's not what I'm saying. It just, when it doesn't feel like it comes from an authentic place, then it just, I got to ask, why are we doing this? Making food for a living is hard. It just is. It sucks. You know? It, it, it's a lot of work. And it better be because there's there's something else there. There's something else I need to get out. I need to make this menu. I have to make this menu. It's something I thought about. I need to just like get it out of my system here. That's how much I believe in it. I would love To see more of that reflected, especially in this game of fusion. I think we need to, when we talk about fusion, it it has to stop being in eye rolls. But in order for that to happen, this kind of stuff needs to be informed better. Because this is an eye roll. Not talking about the quality, not talking about the caliber, not talking about the chef itself. But this is an eye roll. And if this is what we're doing with Fusion, then I, I I I I understand where people see it as. Okay. I think I think we did it. We did a podcast, y'all. Oh my God. Every week we're doing it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Um, I'm also having in the notes, uh, thank you so much this week, um, Asher Price, who is a very, very, uh, nice man that I talked on the phone with while I was in Dallas at a hotel room, um, traveling for work, he, he was nice enough to do a little, a little blurb about me in his Axios Austin newsletter, which then got turned into an article uh, on Axios and was just such a fun thing to see come alive. And I, I got to talk a little bit more about the Million Texan Kitchen, which is such an incredible endeavor that I'm so proud of, that I get to be a part of. I love our team. I love what we cre- we've we created Uh, In South Austin at the beautiful training kitchen. Um, Talked about the Million Texan Kitchen just on the whole. And then I talked about um, the menu that we're doing tonight. And then tomorrow night, which is um, Diwali Thanksgiving. And talked about how I had Thanksgiving with my family um, in Garland, Texas. And that was really, really fun to do. And yeah, you guys should check it out. December tickets for the Million Texan Kitchen are open. I promise a menu is dropping soon where it's going. I'm really, really excited about It is one of those menus that I know I know I'm gonna have to just like get out of my my own self once we're there. We'll be there soon. promise. Um, but yeah, those tickets are open. Please sign up for December. And um also dropping, I think either Sunday or Monday, depending, depending on where I'm at. Uh a newsletter for paid subscribers. I'm really excited about it. It's kind of like a uh a closing of sort of reflecting on the Um yeah, I'm I'm excited about that one. So thank you guys for for supporting, for listening. Uh, It's been really, really, really at times challenging making sure this happens every week, but worth it, truly worth it. And if you're interested in finding ways to support this Substack and Sick Palette as a whole, you can also become a paid subscriber. Uh, You can do that for $5 a month. You can do that for $30 a year. uh, And you can do that uh, anything in between. And if that doesn't work for y'all, email me and we can figure something else out. Um, But there's a lot of like great recipes behind the paywall. There's a lot of like um, podcasts that I've done in the past behind the paywall. So, and I'm, you know, in the new year, we're going to make it really worth it for those paid subscriptions. Okay, guys, I got to get started on prep. Let's, let's make Diwali Thanksgiving happen. I'll talk to y'all next week.